Welcome to another episode of Midweek Meditation on the FPO Podcast, a weekly devotional podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Obelika. Each week, we take a look at one of the passages from the FPO Bible Reading Plan and have a devotional conversation about what God is teaching us in it and how to apply it in our lives. For more information on how to join us as we engage the Bible together, please visit firstpresopelika.org. Good morning again, FPO family. Hope each of you are doing well. Welcome back to another episode of our midweek meditation. James and I are here. And again this week, we're going to dive into the book of Revelation. Uh, We've been diving into it the past couple of weeks as we've been walking through it. And so this week and next week, uh, we're going to have another conversation uh, about uh, this letter that John wrote to the churches in Asia Minor for their encouragement, uh, for their endurance, ultimately for them to keep the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And today we're going to be looking at chapter 14, uh, which was our reading earlier this week. And as has been the case for a lot of uh, the chapters in Revelation, we're going to have to uh, get underneath some of the imagery uh, that John intentionally gives us to help us understand some of the deeper uh, spiritual truths that um, Jesus is trying to communicate to us. Mm -hmm. And so, James, as we look at this passage, uh, verses 1 to 5 to begin with, and then beginning to connect it to the rest of the chapter. We're in another one of these cycles that you mentioned a few weeks ago is very normal in the book of Revelation, uh, where John kind of repeatedly gives us a picture of all of human history from Jesus's death and resurrection into the second coming. And then he, he repeats that. Mm -hmm. And we are here at the end of one of those cycles. And so a lot of what we see here in chapter 14 is is kind of Jesus' second coming Mm -hmm. and judgment. Um, And kind of the differentiation between uh, Jesus' people who he has redeemed and the rest of mankind who... The beast people. Yeah, yeah, the beast people, that's right, uh, who have not repented, who have not followed the Lord and placed their faith in him. And one of the things that stands out for me in this chapter, James, is the beginning where you you get this picture. John says, I looked and behold, on Mount Zion, on the mountain of the Lord, stood the Lamb, stood Jesus Christ, Mm. and with him 144,000. And we've talked about how the numbers in Revelation are uh, not to be taken literally. They're they're symbolic. We remember from chapter 7 that Mm -hmm. 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes, just a number symbolizing the full number of God's people. So all of God's people down through the ages are standing here with Jesus, and we're told that they have his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. They've been marked by Jesus. They've been marked by the Father. They belong to him. It's a a mark of identification. Uh, We are those who belong to Jesus, who belong to the Father. But they were told at uh, the end of verse 3 that no one could learn that song. They're singing a song to the Lamb. We will be singing a song to the Lamb. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. So these full number of God's people are those who have been redeemed. But then in verse 4, we get this 
interesting picture. It says, it is these, the 144,000, we are those who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These have been redeemed from mankind as first fruits for God and the Lamb. And in their mouth, no lie was found, for they are blameless. Mm. I remember reading this um, yesterday morning, maybe, and thinking, okay, so we're told that this full number of God's people has been redeemed. So we know biblically we've been redeemed from sin. We've been redeemed from death. Like you, you get redeemed from bad things that you have been a part of. Right. You can't be redeemed unless you've <laughs> sinned first. That's right. That's right. But then in verse 4, we're told that these have not defiled themselves. Mm. They are virgins. And again, that's the the image of just purity. Yeah. And then it says that no lie was found in their mouth. They are blameless. Mm. And so just this, what feels like on paper, literally in the span of two verses, utter contradiction. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, like, on paper, these two things are not the same. Mm-hmm. One is this group has been redeemed from their own sin and death. And then on the other side, these are those who have not defiled themselves. They are pure. Yeah. No lie was found. Like, the case has been mounted. There's no evidence of wrongdoing against these people. Mm-hmm. They are utterly blameless. Mm-hmm. And just beginning to reconcile that. Give me some of your thoughts as we try to get behind and underneath and in this. What is, what's going on here? How does this point us to the gospel, which is ultimately where we're going? Yeah, I mean, it's the same contradiction that you find in these verses that you find really throughout the rest of the Bible, right? As we're trying to get underneath and we're trying to get into these symbols that Revelation is giving us, it's usually helpful to look to other places in the Bible that show us something similar. I'm thinking of the beginning of 1 Corinthians. Like, right, the Corinthian church was just messed up. Mm. Um, they've got they needed to be redeemed. They needed some redemption <laughs> there. You've got somebody who is living with and sleeping with his mother-in-law. You've got people who are litigating against each other. You've just got all sorts of fighting and anger and sin rampant within the church. Mm. But then at the beginning of it, Paul opens and he says, hey, you are saints. Mm. Because even though they had a lot of bad, they were working out the gospel poorly in application, but they they were doing that because they got the gospel, which is that Christ gives freedom and redemption in his name and in his blood. Mm. And so he can still say, you are saints, and hey, we also need to make sure you know that the gospel should be applied a little bit different here, Corinthians. Yeah. And so we've got this contradiction in Corinthians. We've got it here in Revelation where at the same time we can be seen in the Bible as sinners, as fallen, broken people, and also as those who are redeemed and made saints, those who in the blood of Jesus washed clean mm. are now truly in God's sight blameless. Mm. Yeah, and that that's important because Jesus isn't just trying to communicate half-truths here. He's saying that in God's eyes, we have not defiled ourselves with women, that we're like virgins, we're pure, we're mm-hmm. holy, we're blameless. No lie has been found in, in us. Mm-hmm. If God went looking for sin in us, he wouldn't find any. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. That's objective. Mm-hmm. And some of us are like, 
well, doesn't God see everything? He knows everything. <laughs> like, I know my own self. And this is where we've got to recognize the difference between objective reality and, and our subjective lives. Yeah. In God's sight, we are this. We're, we're perfect and holy. Mm-hmm. God, you know, as we see in places, is cast our sin as far as these is from the West. I love, you know, the one picture. It's like he's thrown it into the bottom of the sea. He remembers it no more. Uh-huh. You know, it's like he's buried it at the bottom of the ocean. Mm. And he forgot where he even put it. Like if he tried <laughs> to find it, he couldn't find it. You know, and we're using human analogy here. But that's the point is that God actually does, because of the redemption that he mentions here, Yeah, because Jesus' blood has paid for our sin because we now have Christ's record. We actually have Christ's record. Mm-hmm. God looks at us, God the Father, and he looks at us as those who have never defiled ourselves. Why? Because Jesus never defiled himself. Yeah. He looks at us as those who have no lies being found in their mouths, who are utterly blameless. Why? Because Jesus was utterly blameless. We actually have that record. And so you get this great picture here. There's not actually a contradiction. Mm-hmm. It's just that's what the gospel does. The yeah. gospel reconciles things that in any other way on a human level are irreconcilable, but yeah. not in God's courtroom where Jesus gives us his record and he takes upon our record, yeah. the lamb. I mean, he's the lamb. What was a lamb? The lamb who lays down his life for the sin of the world. Yeah. Standing on Mount Zion. That's right. Which is the place that God dwelt. That's right. And the place where he went and was crucified for us. That's right. It's, and, and the place throughout Scripture where we're told, you know, the psalmist, and just all these connections are coming to my mind now, where the psalmist calls on God to send forth salvation from Mount Zion. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Oh, where? Here it is. <laughs> the lamb on Mount Zion standing with his people whom he has redeemed yeah. with his own blood. It's yeah. like, wow, that, that's the salvation that the Old Testament and that the psalmist throughout have been calling for. We're getting a picture of that right here. John is opening up the curtains to the future and saying, yeah. look, here it is. Yeah. This is the way God views you because of the redemption that he has accomplished in Jesus. I know as we were talking earlier um, you know, we, we move on from this beautiful picture to mm-hmm. the end of the chapter is mm-hmm. a is a uh, is a little different side of things, where we really get more of a picture of judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me some of your thoughts that we were discussing uh, about these final verses in chapter fourteen. Yeah, as I was studying Revelation fourteen, just really was struck by how interconnected it is. Right, it's probably a bad idea to just proof read and just read the end of it because the whole chapter is coming together mm-hmm. where you begin with this picture of hey now you are with the Lord and you are blameless in God's sight and and that's who you are mm-hmm. and then we go through and then these angels start proclaiming things over the earth right the first one is that fear God and give him glory the hour of judgment is coming you've got this this condemnation of evil kingdoms and then you've got this pronouncement of judgment Mm -hmm. that god is going to judge sin and then the end of the chapter you're we're given this picture of what that looks like right these these actual these two harvests the first is a harvest uh where it says put in your sickle and reap right as we're thinking back into the bible that is like how Jesus gives us this parable of the sowers and reaping of the harvest and um, 
the harvest being plentiful and the laborers are few. Like we are described as good seed and wheat by Jesus Christ himself. Mm-hmm. And so then we see this picture that the angels come in through God's authority and reap and take the believers away. And so we are safe. Mm. We are with the Lord standing on Mount Zion in God's presence. And it's then, almost like, how do we get to the beginning of 14? Oh, we read about this harvest right at the yes. end of 14. Right. It's like chronologically, it's hard to work this out, but it's mm-hmm. like we, we stand safe with the Lamb on Mount Zion because yes. we get a picture of how God is going to do that. He's going to harvest us uh-huh. and separate us in a sense. And we're not talking about some crazy you know, uh, rapture event, yeah. uh, just this in God's just providence, he is going to secure us yeah. so that when the judgment comes, we have escaped the judgment that is coming upon the earth. Yeah. And that picture of judgment is then this second harvest that we do see this great, almost gruesome picture of God's wrath of mm. treading on the grapes of wrath, the, the wine press of the wrath of God, where there is real, judgment and blood is flowing because there must be a blood Mm. punishment. There must be a blood payment for sin. And so if we have not been taken up and brought safely into the arms of the Lord through his blood, then we see that the alternative is the shedding of our own blood in God's judgment, right? We're given this picture of salvation and judgment. And both of these things go together in the mercy and the holiness of God. Mm. And it's this idea that salvation is never without judgment. Yeah. And so even this idea of redemption, like we've been redeemed. Well, how have we been redeemed? I mean, mm-hmm. like through throughout Scripture from beginning to end, you know, uh, I think the way the Old Testament says it in a lot of places is without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Yeah. And so this idea that, oh, we've been redeemed. It's like, yeah, we've been redeemed because blood has been shed. Yes. That's the picture that Old Testament circumcision pointed to, the shedding of blood, the cutting off. Um, That's what the New Testament picture of baptism points to, that the blood has been shed. No more Mm -hmm. blood needs to be shed. Mm -hmm. Now we have a picture of clean water pouring over and washing people. Um, But blood will be shed. Uh, there will be a sacrifice for your sin, yeah. no matter who you are. The question is, will it be Jesus' sacrifice for you, which will then allow you to be rescued from the coming judgment, or will your own blood mm-hmm. be shed on God's altar? And it's not, it's one or the other. It's one or the other. It's not, Jesus died for my sins, and also I need to like, you know, punish myself self-atonement or whatever it's no jesus died for my sins i am not paying for it at all period jesus paid for it that's right or it's the alternative Mm -hmm. which is uh if you refuse to come to jesus uh there will be blood uh but it will be your own blood and we Mm -hmm. that's the picture we get i mean you, you use the word gruesome and that's a appropriate way to think about it. A terrifying and awful reality awaits the world mm. apart from Jesus Christ. Um, you know, you get this picture of him treading down the wine press, and he uses this imagery. You know, uh, the blood flowed from the wine press as high as a horse's bridle for yeah. sixteen hundred stadia. And <laughs> we read that, and we're like, "What the heck does that mean?" <laughs> 
you know, and then my footnote says 1600 stadia is about 184 miles. And so you're like, where is this going to happen? Yeah. And you're like, no, the image is that there's so much blood that has been shed in God's judgment that it forms a river mm-hmm. that flows out and away from the altar for miles mm-hmm. and miles. Just as happened miles. in the Old Testament That's exactly right. Sacrifices. Yeah, and so it's just this picture of gruesome, terrifying, awful judgment for those who don't find refuge in the blood of the Lamb. Yeah. And so what a comforting reality for us that we will escape this day. Mm-hmm. Because we have sought refuge in the blood of the Lamb. And what a motivation for us Mm -hmm. to waste no time in giving our lives away, in living out the gospel, and in sharing the gospel, knowing that this this picture is coming. And people will either be saved through the blood of the Lamb, or they will lay down their own lives Mm -hmm. at God's altar as a sacrifice for their own sin and judgment. Probably not even a right way to talk about that. Their their lives will be crushed in the winepress of God's wrath. Uh, What an encouragement for us, but also what a a motivating reality. You mentioned this verse. Uh, Yeah, sobering reality of the harvest is plentiful. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We can do something. Uh, We can be a part of the reaping of people out of judgment as we give our lives away, as we testify to this Jesus in whom people can find uh, redemption and salvation by his blood. So we hope today, wherever you are, that if you know Jesus, you would be comforted uh, because his blood has covered you and it speaks a better word. Uh, And if you don't know Jesus, we pray that you would run to him for refuge. Mm -hmm. And I pray that each of us would be emboldened uh, to speak of Christ often, Uh, so that people as well might escape this wrath. We love you guys, and we look forward to being together next week.